Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Amen. I want us tonight to begin a short series on the miracles of Calvary. There were five miracles that took place as the Lord Jesus hung upon the tree, hanging there between heaven and earth. Five amazing events took place. Five great signs occurred. And so tonight, and I know obviously next Sunday night we'll, we'll have to just park the series because of the anniversary services. But then after that, God willing, as we make our way toward Easter, we will come back to these five miracles. So the first one tonight and then the remaining ones at a later date. But I want us to think tonight about this first miracle. Darkness. Darkness descends on Calvary. We have just sung in that lovely old hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, we have sung about dark Calvary. That's very true, you know. Calvary was dark the day that Jesus Christ died. And we're thinking tonight about dark Calvary, and the darkness was a miracle. You see, the Lord Jesus reached up, as it were, and touched the sun. Aye, he reached up and he touched the sun. In a couple of weeks, we'll we'll think about how he reached over and touched the temple... Then we'll think about how he reached down and touched the rocks. Remember the earthquake. And then we'll think about how he reached into the graves and touched the dead and the dead rose. He reached in. And then the final study in our series, we'll think about how he reached out and touched the centurion's heart. Hallelujah for the one who reached up and reached over and reached down and reached in and reached out. What a saviour he is. If we were to give tonight's study a title, here it is. The Midday Midnight. The Midday Midnight. You see folks, this darkness is prophesied by Amos. The reason we read from Amos chapter 8 earlier in the service was because there's a verse, and it's verse 9 of Amos chapter 8. This is what it says. 
And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. What a description of Calvary. I will cause the sun to go down at noon. That's what happened at the cross. That's when the darkness descended. That's when the sun went into hiding, as it were, out of sympathy for the one who had created it. I will darken the earth in the clear day, the Lord says. And that's what happened at Calvary. Boy, did he not darken the earth. It was a miracle. And there you have old Amos in the Old Testament. And he, hundreds of years before, Amos predicts that at Calvary, the darkness is going to come down. Amos prophesies about the midday midnight. You know, Amos was just a country bumpkin. He was a nobody. He was a layman. He was a farmer. He was a herdsman. He was a, he was a shepherd. He looked after sycamore trees. He was a very ordinary person. But the Lord bypassed the religious establishment and spoke to Amos. The Lord loves to talk to ordinary people, you know. Now, I don't mean a big booming voice from the sky, not like the charismatics tell us about. Oh, I heard a voice. I'm more interested in whether you heard a verse or you read a verse. I would tend to be more interested in the verse than the voice. But he loves to talk to people through his word. He loves to talk to ordinary people. You know, I, I hear sometimes Christians and say, oh, it's all about prayer. Oh, we'll have to talk to the Lord all the time. Yes, the, prayer is of vital importance. I know that. You're preaching to the converted. But let me say that there's something even more important than us talking to the Lord. It's the Lord talking to us. It's good manners to let him go first. Let him speak to us first. It's not good to, to always be talking to the Lord and not giving him the chance to talk to us. And the Lord talked to Amos. And nobody away in the back of nowhere. And he said, Amos, I'll tell you something. My son's going to be crucified on the cross. And you know what, Amos? Here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down about the day that he dies because there's something amazing is going to happen. A miracle's going to take place. And at midday, the darkness is going to come down. And it's, Amos, it's not going to be an eclipse. It's not going to be a sandstorm, Amos. No, it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be a miracle. Now, Amos, get you that down in chapter 8 and verse 9. Amos, write it down quickly because my son is going to die in darkness for you. 
Write it down quickly, Amos, for those people in new buildings. For he's going to die for them in the darkness too. What a saviour he is. Boy, I can imagine Amos getting excited about this. Do you know what the name Amos actually means? I looked at this this afternoon. Burden bearer. Burden bearer. Well, tell me this, was the one on the middle cross not the burden bearer? Boy, he was. All the burdens of sin fell upon him. Tell you, I have a big burden. Oh, there's a big burden belongs to me. Maybe there's a big burden belongs to you. A big burden of sin. Jesus bore that burden at the cross. Is your faith in the one who died on the cross? That's where my faith is tonight. The one who died in the darkness. And so here he is, metaphorically as it were, he reaches up and... And he puts out the sun. Boy, I was glad to see the sun on Friday for the outreach. Whenever I got up on Friday morning, oh no, cloudy morning. It's going to rain. We'll not get out. Or if we do get out, it'll be miserable for the tracks will be getting wet and nobody will want to take them. And preaching in the rain, well, it's not ideal. Not many about people scurrying to get out of the rain. But the Lord brought the sun out. And it was a very pleasant experience to stand at the top of Carlisle Road beside the Ferry Key Gate, outside Foyleside, and to preach about the one who died in the darkness. And of course, today we've had plenty of sunshine. The Lord's been good to us today. The, oh, think about the beauty of the, the sun that we've enjoyed today. I got out for a walk with the dogs early this morning up the hill. It was good. Maybe you've got out for a walk today. Did you take a moment to think about the sunshine? Where did it all come from? Who put the sun in the sky? The one who hung on the middle cross. The one who put out the sun that day at Calvary. It's good to think about these things. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 1, the old Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign from heaven. Listen to them now. Listen to Matthew 16 verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Come on now Jesus of Nazareth. Until you show us a sign from heaven. Until you show us a sign in the sky that you're really the Christ, the Messiah. We look on you as an imposter. Come on now, prove yourself. 
Well, he had, he had already proved himself at Bethlehem, hadn't he? He put a sign in the sky, a sign in the heaven, the star that led the wise men to Bethlehem. But then just for the good of the Pharisees, he put out the sun whenever he was dying. A sign from heaven. There, there you are, Pharisees. Just the sign you asked for, the sign you need. A sign from heaven. Mind you, putting out the sun was some miracle. Boy, indeed, it was a mighty miracle. You see, the sun is a vast sphere. Let me give you the figures now. 864,000 miles in diameter. It contains 335 quadrillion cubic miles of violently hot gases, weighing more than two octillion tons. At its core, oxygen is fused into helium at a temperature of some 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. And the Lord Jesus reached up at Calvary and he snuffed it out like a child putting out a birthday candle. What a saviour he is. Don't you think you could trust him tonight? Don't you think that if he could put out the sun and bring darkness down upon the whole scene at Calvary, don't you think that he could deal with your sins? Don't you think that he could perform a miracle for you? Could it be there's someone here tonight and you have never been saved? I would find that hard to believe, but it could, it could happen. It could be the case. Stranger things have happened. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here tonight and for the whole of your life it's just been a show. It's just been an outward veneer. And there's nothing under the surface. Your heart is still the same as it was when you were born. You've never been born again. And your heart is still deceitful and desperately wicked. And you've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Am I talking to someone like that tonight? You need a miracle. And I know a man who can perform that miracle for you. Is there a backslider listening to me tonight? Sure, Ulster's full of them. Boy, if I had a pound for every person who, who's in no man's land tonight, I'd be a, I'd be a rich man. Sure, they're everywhere. Backsliders. You need a miracle. For it takes a miracle to bring the backslider back. In fact, I would nearly say it might take an even greater miracle to restore a backslider than to save a sinner. Because sometimes folks, you know, backsliders have a chip on their shoulder. But in fact, they have a chip on both shoulders. Chip against the church. Chip against the pastor. Chip against the board. A chip against so-and-so, that Christian. What they did on me. What they said about me. Well, tell me, what did Jesus ever do to you? 
What did Jesus ever say about you? Aye, he's the one who can perform the miracle of salvation, the miracle of restoration. For he's the one who reached up and touched the sun at Calvary. Prior to this great miracle, the Lord Jesus had been stripped naked by the Roman soldiers. I mean stark naked. I believe that the darkness descended because God the Father was putting a covering over his beloved son to cover his nakedness so that the eyes of wicked men could not view the nakedness of his holy sinless body on the cross. Sinful, wicked eyes did not deserve to gaze upon it. He was naked on Calvary to cover our naked souls. You see, the hymn writer put it like this, old Augustus Toplady, powerful hymn, Rock of Ages. Do you know what he said? Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. On the cross, the, the Lord Jesus was hanging there for six hours. Yes, he was on the cross for six hours, then he died. He was crucified at nine o'clock in the morning. So from nine o'clock to, to twelve o'clock, it was light. The sun was shining. And he suffered at the hands of men. But then at 12 o'clock at midday, the darkness descended and he suffered at the hands of God the Father from 12 o'clock until 3 o'clock. Psalm 22 speaks of the light and the darkness. If you want to turn just for a moment as we finish to Psalm 22. The Psalm of the Cross, that's what it's called. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. There it is. From nine o'clock to twelve o'clock. The day he died, 9 a.m. to midday, there it is. I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. Here's the darkness now, and in the night season, and I'm not silent. Ah, there was the spotless, beloved Lamb of God from midday to three o'clock in the afternoon bleeding and dying for your sins and mine and he's praying in his agony to his father the night season 
but he got no reply. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But no answer. He did it all for you. Boy, you'd wonder how anybody could be half-hearted in their Christian life, wouldn't you? Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 was actually being fulfilled in the darkness at Calvary. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Aye, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for going down into the darkness of Calvary. Ah, truly it was dark Calvary. It was a midday, midnight What a miracle. Lord, in these days, there are so many in the darkness of sin. In this little village tonight, O Lord Jesus, perform a miracle of grace. Reach down into the darkness, we pray, and lift a poor sinner, restore a poor backslider. May we hear in the hours and days to come of souls getting right with you. For we pray in our dear Redeemer's name. Amen. 320, as we finish, it's more of a chorus than a hymn. 320, there's a way back to God. From the dark paths of sin, there's a door that's open and you may go in. Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus. We'll sing it twice through. 320 please. And let's stand. 